Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's kicked the goal from inside the centre. I Yes, hello guys. Welcome to the SC Playbook podcast. Proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie. As always, I'm going to be running you through thing, all things Supercoach for the AFL this week. Joining me are two of my favourite Supercoach experts. On the left of my Supercoach dial, we've got a very happy Stevie Nico, coach of Lovsky FC. He's back in the winner's circle. He's loving it. Nico, how are you doing this week? Hey, Eddie. I'm doing all right, mate. I, I didn't have a, a massive week. There was some massive scores going around, um, but I did okay and I got a little got a little climb in the ranks, so that's good. It's good to hear. And uh, also with a big smile on his dial is the SC Bandit. Um, he's doing great work on Twitter as always, as well as for the SC Playbook site. Bandit, you had a monstrous week. You did very well. You're climbing in the rankings rapidly. How are you feeling about everything? G'day, boys. I'm, I'm going well. Yeah, not not too bad a week. Um, not as big as some of the others, as, uh, as Nico suggested. What a week. That was a... Gee, I can't remember many weeks bigger than that for, for Supercoach scoring. I know we were talking about some of the biggest team scores ever in our group chat, but yeah, that was just, um, yeah, that was a crazy week in terms of um, Primo's just popping off left, right and centre. I wrote it in my um, in my re- in my week recap uh, that's on this SC Playbook website. I don't think I've seen a more ridiculous week of Supercoach, just going from the carnage of Thursday and Friday with players missing left, right and centre. We had rookies missing. We had Brody Grundy out. We had all sorts of stuff going on. To go from that to the par score for the week being probably 2,500 really was was what ended up being par. And some guys got in excess of 2,800. I don't think I've seen a week like it. Nico, do you remember seeing anything like that before in your long super coach career? Yeah, it just sort of, you know, brought back memories of, you know, perma-captain Gary Ebler Jr. getting, you know, 220 points and you know, <laughs> automatically having 440, you know, to, to start the week off. But um, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, looking at the projected scores at the start of the round, I was like, oh, gee, they're pretty high. I don't think we're going to go that well with all the carnage. And then, yeah, bang, people have just killed it. It was great to see. Um, we had a, one guy in our league, the uh, um, what was his name again, uh, <laughs> that scored 2709 or something, um, but it was only good enough for, for 50th in the uh, Dropkick FC. Dropkick, or whatever, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, which was fantastic. He did extremely well, uh, which is good to see. Um, but a lot of guys scoring very highly. Uh, Bandit, I want to throw to you first. Um, get things up. Get things started for us with your your primo hero and your primo villain for the, for the week of uh, action that we just had. Yes, yeah, so I'll go uh, primo villain first. It feels like whenever I'm on this podcast, I talk about this guy in 
in uh, less than glamorous toes. But Luke Ryan has to has to pop <laughs> again this week. Unfortunately, he was he was my lowest scoring primo. Um, hopefully, with with Chapman and, and Young to come back in the team um, this week, hopefully that that frees him up to be the scorer that we know he he can be. But um, yeah, the only thing that seems to be propping up his his average at the moment is that one fifty six in in round two, which feels like a bit of a, a distant memory now. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit of an up and down start to the year for, for Ryan. I'm hoping he can he can turn it around for me in the next couple of weeks. Um, what about you, my hero? Yeah, so if I read out the stat line of, of 29 disposals, nine clearances, 11 score involvements and two goals, you'd probably think I was talking about, you know, someone like Lockie Neal or Paddy Cripps or, or Callum Mills, but... That was Max Gorn's performance on on the weekend against Hawthorne, and really there was nothing surer, given his track record um, against the Hawks, than him posting a huge score, and it turned out to be that way. So well done to those who put the, the VC on him. I'll give myself a little pat, pat on the back there. Um, Very nice and, work. And if you traded him out earlier in the season, that would that score would have really stung, I reckon. I sent a message in our group chat saying I, I felt like going into that game, the over under for him was sort of in the range of one sixty, one seventy. Um, and he duly delivered. Uh, that was probably about right on what you would have expected going in, but you're right. That is a, just a superb stat line for a big ruckman. He tore them apart. It was very hard to watch as a non-Gorn owner. I was I was seeing that knowing that my ranking was going to go down this week based on not having him. Uh, Nico, what about you? Who was your primo hero and your primo villain for the week? Yeah, before I get to it, man, I'm just wondering if there's any reason you've skipped the uh, the total score for the round. Are you not trying to hide anything, are you, mate? <laughs> It's a very good call. It's a very good call, Nico. I did completely forget to go through that. Um, I'm going to throw it straight to you. you. You clearly want to talk about your total score for the week. No, it's not even that What's good. Got? I got 24.99, which is a bit tight. I would have liked to hit 2,500. But, um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll just mucking around anyway with you there, mate. But for my <laughs> hero, Primo-wise, I'll go with Jaden Short. Um, so when he was in the first in a bounce, I was thinking, oh, no, like what kind of score are we going to get here? Um, and he's just dropped a 152 and just looked completely at home in the mid. So that was brilliant to see and we'll probably see more of, more of it, to be honest. Um, a couple of, you know, Rory Laird comparisons thrown out there, which, you know, pretty much on the money. Primo villain for me has to be Daniel Rich, paid up, you know, it's big time for this guy. He's um, three tonnes this year out of seven and, uh, you know, a 70 and a couple of 80s, 380s, I think, in there. So... Really frustrating, um, up and down a bit like uh, your mate from Frio Bandit as well. So, yeah, disappointing. Um, already dropped a lot in, in money, and I think I just have to hold him and hopefully he, he turns things around. With rookies, um, my hero, Martin, 106 this Body round. Safe as houses um, in your forward line, no issues playing him every week. And the villain, I had a somewhat high hopes for Rosas, and um, unfortunately a, a 48 on field sort of hurt a little bit there. And... Um, I was kind of hoping for a floor at about 60, 65, but um, that's um, not to be, unfortunately. Uh, very good, Nico. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we will talk about the scores just because I was so I was crowing about it last week, so it's only fair we uh, we get my score again this week. 2424, which I think was um, below par for the week. Um, I dropped about 700 spots down to 1600. Um, yeah, just a couple of max Gorn. Not having Gorn was a killer. Uh, for me, my, my primo hero, uh, I had the VC on Jared Witts going into Sunday's game against the Pies, hoping that he'd, um, he'd towel up Darcy Cameron, and he duly did. 136 was very, very happy with that. He's been a – yeah, he's probably been the reason uh, – one of the big reasons for my success to start this year. He's been fantastic, Jared Witts. Um, and then Primo Villain, 
it's actually pretty hard to choose. Had had pretty decent scores across the board. It's probably got to be Zach Butters again, unfortunately. Um, just not quite getting enough out of him at the moment. Um, as we discussed last week, it's been a bit subpar. 89, doesn't look bad on paper. Um, and it was a horrible, horrible game of footy up in at Kazali Stadium in Cairns. Really horrible. So it's a bit unfair. I'm probably going to give him a pass mark, but uh, it's still going to give him that the uh, villain for the week. In terms of rookies, uh, I have to go with you, you there, Nico. Nick Martin, as a Bombers fan, not only super coach wise but also in real life, he's uh, he's absolutely carrying my season as a Bombers fan. He's been the only positive to come out of it. He looks fantastic. He's going to get more midfield time. It's just a fact. He's a, he was around the ball a lot on the weekend. Looked great when he was there. I'm going to say it again, the Scott Pendlebury comparisons, he's got that, that time. I don't know if you saw, if any, either of you watched the game against the Bulldogs, but he had this moment where he got the ball on the, the full, basically the full back line on the, on the goal line, just hesitated, stepped, got out of it, laced out a bloke 40 metres away um, from the goal line and started an attacking move. He's just a gun. Um, villain, rookie, uh, rookie villain probably has got to go to Nathan O'Driscoll. It's been a couple of down weeks in a row, 57 for him. Not ideal, um, but we can cop it. Bandit, what about you? Who, is your, who stood out from the rookie ranks for you this week? Well, just so we cover off the uh, the overall scores, I scored two, four, seven, six. So we're all pretty we're all pretty similar this week. I know um, you were saying that you were hurting not having gone, but it doesn't really look like it impacted too much as long as you had um, reliable primos on on field across the ground in other in other places. But um, yeah, overall ranks about ten thousand at the moment, so I haven't really moved much in the in the last couple of weeks. Um, rookie hero. Um, this is a guy who's just been quietly going about his business. He was in pretty much every Manly's Dogs team um, at the start of round one, and he's probably still in there for a lot of for a lot of people. But Sam DeConing put up his best score yeah. for the season today. Um, just when we needed some some reasonable cover for for George Hewitt, he, he pushes out a seventy seven um, and actually made his break even go back down to about one, I think, which um, hopefully means that we get at least one hundred and fifty k of him out of the buy rounds. He, he looks really settled down there for, for Geelong down he back does. and it's freed up um, Mark Woodstarts to, to play elsewhere. So um, he's been a good little find for, for the Cats. Um, in terms of a rookie villain, uh, Joshua Shelley looks like he's run out of steam a little bit. Um, his three-round average is now in the toilet in the in the 40s. Um, I don't think he'll be making much, um, if any, cash really in the next couple of weeks. Um, and when the Crows get flogged, obviously he's playing that small forward role. You know, he generally doesn't get near it, to be honest. And that game was over by, by half-time on the weekend when they were playing GWS. So um, any impact that he had on the game after half-time um, wouldn't have really been scaled um, favourably anyway because the game was, was so far gone at, at half-time. Yeah, I want to touch on Sam DeConing because that's a great call. He was fantastic on the weekend. Um, he just he has a way in packs of finding the ball. It's, he's got, it seems like he's got really long arm, telescopic arms almost. He, he comes out of packs where you don't think he's anywhere close to getting it and he, he comes ends up with the ball. So that's been a great find by Geelong and, and a really good, really good little um, fill in for our super coach teams there. Um, now, boys, if you if you guys out there like the content that we're producing, um, if you're after the premium version of it, sign up to SC Playbook for $30, which gets you our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season, um, or $40 for the full package, which covers AFL, NRL, BBL. I know our fearless leader, Tim Williams, who started the site, he's going very, very well in the NRL at the moment. He's up to about 800th overall. Uh, coming with a bullet as well. So that's good to get on board with uh, his advice while you can. Um, that If you pay up for that extra premium content, it gets you stacks of extra articles every week of the preseason. Um, entry into our exclusive WhatsApp group, uh, which is popping off at the moment. We've got a lot of questions coming through. Um, you guys are very active in it. Not interested in that though. Don't worry. We've got stacks of free content to rummage through on the site as well. Visit scplaybook.com.au for stacks of expert content. Plus follow our Insta, Facebook, and Twitter socials at scplaybookafl. 
Now, boys, um, big round of footy as always, lots of stuff to cover. Um, we've been discussing a few big topics um, for this week. Uh, I sent you through a list of them before. Uh, the one we're going to start with this week, we have thankfully haven't had any big injuries to t- tick off, unlike last week. We had Brody Grundy to talk about right off the bat. This week, we've got a bit more freedom with where we go, and we're going to go straight to downgrade planning. Um, it seems like we're suddenly flush with a stack of cheap options coming through. Um, the, there's a few big names like Greg Clark and Robbie McComb from the Bulldogs who we've been hanging out for for a while, but there's a few lesser names as well. Nico, I want to throw to you straight off the bat. Who are you looking for over the next couple of weeks? Who's going to be coming into your team to make some cash out of those cheap ranks? Sure thing, Eddie. So I think just a, an important note, I think team structure here is vital um, when you're looking at these guys. So um, I've got Grundy, not Grundy, Gorn, um, Bruce and Hayes uh, in my ruck line. So there's a couple of guys who are on the bubble in that ruck line. So I'm not looking at them at all, the likes of you know, Stranatica and um, and Beg. Um, so I won't be looking at those guys. But I think um, going early on, on Clark is a, is a decent option. He looks like he's going to have a pretty high floor, uh, especially with his tackle numbers uh, and getting time, you know, in a, in a depleted uh, midfield. Outside of that, um, I don't know if I'm going to hold on to Rochelle and hope for another big score um, or not. Probably looking at moving Dixon on as well. So I probably might have a, a couple of spots or, or one spot to downgrade in the forward line. So maybe looking at someone like a Curtis um, potentially or um, or a McComb. But I'll, I'll probably stay away from the likes of Callow and I think Carroll is another one who, who looked really great on the mm. weekend, but we need to sort of see him with uh, with a full midfield in there as well in, in, with the Blues. So, yeah. And not hard to say. as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, yeah. I, I'll probably, I'm probably looking at maybe just doing two trades this week and just grabbing one of these guys and seeing which one fits my structure better. Do you think you're going to go early on Greg Clark? Could do. Yeah, the only issue yep. is... Um, his injury, of course. Um, obviously, we you know knock on wood. We don't want that to happen. Uh, but he looks um, a pretty safe play, and I think everyone's going to have him in either this week or next week. So, what do you think, yeah. Dan? As uh, Nico's Nico's talk about um, that your team structure is obviously really important. Um, do the likes of Stranatica and, and Beg come into your considerations at all, or are you looking more towards the forward and mid lines as the place that you're going to downgrade? Uh, Stranatica, no. Um, this is probably where the that utility spot would come in handy, wouldn't it? If we had, um, mm. you know, a similar setup to what they do in AFL Fantasy, where there's a, a utility player that you can have from basically any position. Um, unfortunately, Supercoach ditched the the second um, ruck bench spot a few years back. So, um, yeah, if you've got Bruce on field and then Hayes in your bench, you probably don't need to bring Stranatica in. He's a bit surplus to requirements at, at this stage. So. Um, yeah, probably probably not for me, Stranatica, um, and probably likewise, Beg. Um, if he was a, a ruck forward, um, I'd probably be a bit more interested. But unfortunately, it's just you know wrong wrong time. Um, given that Sam Hayes has had a bit of a price rise and still has some more some more money to make there, so I'm with Nico on on Clark. Though I think he's a he's a good option. I don't think there's any harm in going early on him this week. Um, I wouldn't expect a, a ton out of him. Week in, week out, but the fact that he's turned up in a game where West Coast got comprehensively beaten basically right from right from the get-go, um, I think shows that he's got some real ability and, um, yeah, as long as he's healthy, he should be staying in that West Coast team for, for the remainder of the season. What can you tell me about Robbie McComb? Um, he's on the bubble this week. Of the bubble rookies that we've got this week, I think we've got Schnatica, Curtis and McComb. 
are all in the bubble. Um, they've got varying degree, varying break evens. I think Schnatic is negative seventy three, Curtis is negative forty eight, and McComb is negative forty one. Um, of those three, would, which one of those would you choose if you wanted to go someone on the bubble this week ahead of Clark? I'm probably looking at Curtis the most in terms of those three. Um, I think just he's got a, he's got a really clear role in that North Melbourne team now. Like he's he's had to play some really good footy in the VFL prior to getting his, his AFL debut. Um, David Noble, I think, has, has spoken quite quite positively about him whenever he's had the, the opportunity to do that. Um, and North just aren't playing that well, so they need to expose these sorts of players to, to AFL level to get some to get some games into them. So he's probably the one um, that I'm most interested in. Um, Robin McComb, you know, just that job security worries me a bit. Um, just looking through the VFL stats from from the weekend, Hayden Crozier had 27 touches and was among the best there for the Dogs. Riley West had 26. Um, so yeah, I'm just not too sure how he sort of fits in there long term. Yeah. Um, Luke Beveridge spoke fairly positively about him post game and the role that he that he played. Um, he's not tra- tra- traditionally he's not a small forward apparently, so. That was a new role for, for him on the day, and he and he played quite well, kicking a couple of goals. But um, yeah, just bulldogs and job security are two terms I don't really mix all that often. So <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to bring him in um, just for the fact that he could play you know one or two more games potentially, and maybe get a little price rise, but then he's out of the team again. So um, yeah. and then you're back to square one. So yeah, that's that's sort of my thinking at the moment. I think you bang on there. I think the thing with um, McComb that we is a real worry is that he's not playing a role that he's used to. Um, he's they've, they've sort of tried to pigeonhole him into this small forward role, like you said, Bandit. He's not a small forward. He's an inside midfielder. He doesn't use the ball particularly well. He's not a great finisher around goals, from what I can see. Um, I think the, yeah, the worry is if he was if he was in the Bulldogs team and playing inside mid, um, great, I'd love it. Lock him in. That, that's the role that he's built for. Um, but I think yeah, like you say, that with the likes of Crozier and Riley West, who arguably play that small forward role just as well, if not better than him, um, with better disposal. I think that's a bit of a worry. Nico, um, what do you think about McComb? Are you going to be getting him this week or is, is he off the radar for you? I kind of agree with with both your points there. Um, I think he's off the radar. I think probably more likely to get 30s and 40s rather than, you know, 60s, 70s. So I um, had a goal on the weekend and, and still only, you know, produced a 60. So, yeah, as you said, um, role, not ideal. Probably looking at Curtis, um, uh, as Bandit touched on there. I mean, pretty consistent, two fifty eights in a row projected for another fifty eight. So the projected score seems to be working all right. And um, yeah, he, he should get more games. You would think throughout the rest of the year. What can yeah, you tell me about? Curtis? I didn't. I didn't watch the North Melbourne game. Um, what can you tell me about Curtis Bandit? Um, well, I think the the main thing I was I was going to touch on is the fact that he's actually scored reasonably well when North Melbourne have been pretty comprehensively beaten. Like Geelong, that game against Geelong down Hobart a couple of weeks ago, North just weren't really in the game. He still found a way to get fifty eight points. The game against Carlton hit North were obviously in it for a bit longer. Uh, they got blown away in the third quarter a little bit, but he still managed to get to a reasonable score. So I think if North can improve their output as a team. Um, they'll obviously generate some more opportunity to score and that'll hopefully bring Curtis into the game a bit more with, with increased opportunity. So I think the fact that he's managed to score 258s in what have been what have eventually been um, pretty heavy losses for, for the Kangaroos, I think that shows that he's got some, some upside there in that scoring potential. And who knows if they can't, if North come up against a, a weaker team in the next few weeks and um, he manages to jag, you know, two or three goals, he could end up with a 70 or an 80 and 
really give that cash generation kick on. I think it's also it's also really hard to project job security with teams that are rebuilding like North because it does seem like a bit of a revolving door of young players coming in and out. But I'm just looking at the team sheet from the weekend now and you'd have to think that playing that sort of small forward role, he's ahead of the likes of Jack Marnie, Curtis Taylor, Flynn Perez, I don't know, even a Kane Turner. Like You'd have to think that he's he's at least equal with those guys, if not ahead of them, given their production or lack thereof over the last couple of weeks. So from a job security standpoint, I think Curtis um, is very solid. We had a couple of debutants on the weekend as well. Um, Jack Carroll from Carlton put up a 95 against North Melbourne. You touched on him a little bit, Nico. Um, what what did you make of Carroll's debut? Um, and will, will you be looking at him potentially next week? Uh, look, to be honest, mate, all I saw was his score. So I didn't watch the game. Um, but... As I mentioned earlier, you'd want to see it with Hewitt in the guts there as well. So I don't know. I don't. Hopefully, you know Bender, but I don't know what kind of role he had. But if he was playing, you know, mid and, and getting CBAs, you think those numbers would be drastically down if if Hewitt's back in the side and he's got a different role. So um, I wouldn't be bringing him in early. Um, that's for yeah. sure. I'd have another look at him. Yep. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I think the, other, the other thing to think about as well is the fact that he start. Like it's great that he started well, but. If he throws in a thirty, or if he plays next week and throws in a thirty or a forty, that ninety-five becomes a lot less valuable because he'll play a third game and then that ninety-five will be the first score to drop out of his price cycle. So if he throws in, you know, two scores of thirty and forty, all of a sudden that ninety-five is not not as valuable. So um, yeah, I'm definitely with Nico there. I want to see another week out of him um, before we before we commit to bringing him in. The other one was Jackson Callow, who debuted for Hawthorne. Um, fairly uninspiring, I think it's fair to say. He had 25 um, super coach points, not possessions. Um, so that wasn't the most ideal of debuts for him. I think he's a tall forward. I also didn't watch that game, unfortunately. But um, the reports are that he, he wasn't great. In, in a Hawthorne team that actually competed pretty pretty strongly with Melbourne. So uh, that's uh, not a great start. He was on Stephen May by the looks of uh, some of the matchup data. So that, that's a pretty tough assignment to get right off the bat. Um so maybe we give him one more week and have a look. The other, only other one was Aiden Begg, who debuted for Collingwood. Um, in the absence of Brody Grundy, looks like he's going to get a little bit of a uh, little bit of ruck time alongside uh, alongside Darcy Cameron. Darcy Cameron was brilliant, by the way. Um, yeah, he, he was, was very excellent. Nico, you would have watched that game as a Collingwood fan. What'd you make of Cameron and Begg and that that ruck setup that they had rolling with? Yeah, so it looked like um, Cameron sort of had maybe like a sixty forty split of the of the ruck duties. Um, looked. Cameron looked really, really good. Um, I thought he might get pushed off, you know, in the ruck contest pretty easy. He looked pretty solid, kicked a couple of goals, you know, flew um, off the mark with, you know, with um, those goals early. And, um, yeah, I was sort of expecting maybe an 80 from him, but, you know, he was almost that at quarter time, so he was flying. Um, Beg, you know, looked good, but once again, I, I just can't entertain it, so I don't have the spot to. So yeah. um, good for the young lad to, to get a game and to do well and, you know, he's got his chance to hold that spot ahead of Mason Cox for sure. That is a pretty comprehensive review of the rookies coming up. I think the consensus probably is that um, you get Clark either this week or next week. Um, if you want Curtis, you can get him um, and the rest can probably probably wait at least to see another week out of Cal- uh, out of Carroll um, and beg, uh, yeah, with your structure, Nick. I, I doubt many people have uh, room in the ruck line to get, get him with uh, Hayes, who most people jumped on last week. Uh, the next big topic, uh, moving on, sort of the natural progression from downgrade planning is upgrade planning. Uh, we sort of we touched on this a bit last week, but unfortunately, everyone's plans are sort of thrown into disarray with Hewitt out, um, Grundy out, various other players out. So I wanted to, to ask you first, Bandit, um, obviously, we've got a lot of rookies hitting the wall, um, as they say. We've got the likes of Josh Ward, 
Horn Francis, McCartan, Dacos, Rochelle, O'Driscoll, McDonald, Jack Hayes, who's injured, um, all sort of hitting that that mark where they they need to be traded out. Which of those guys uh, do you have? Many of those guys, and who do you think your priority is to move out over the coming weeks? Um, so I traded Jack Hayes last week. I think if you're still if you're still hanging on to him, then he's got to be a trade out this week. I don't think there's any point in, in hanging on to a guy who won't play for the rest of the season. Um, so he's he's got to be number one if you've still got him. Um, I know a lot of people would have run into bigger problems last week, but now that we've probably hopefully addressed those, um, I think it's time to, to move him on. Um, probably the one that stands out to me most would be Rochelle. Um, like I said, off the top, it just looks like he's run out of gas and. With a three-round average of 43, um, you know, he's going to need another ton to realistically get that cash generation going again. And, um, yeah, if the Crows are going to play the way they did on, on Saturday, um, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. They play Carlton this week. So that's going to be a tough, tough ask for him to, to produce another big score like he had earlier in the season. Um, the other one that stands out for me is O'Driscoll. Um Again, it probably depends on your structure and how your team's tracking with injury, but break-even of 77 this week, his average is only 62, and his three-round average, I think, is less than that from memory. So um, he's probably one I'd look to move on as well with that second ton about to fall out of his um, price cycle this week. Um, looks like he's just about maxed out too, uh, and Freo are going to get some players back this week too, which could impact his, his job security. So they're the two that I'm looking at. Um, personally, and they're probably two that I'd recommend other people look at, at moving on as well. You mentioned, just, Freo, you mentioned Freo getting players coming back, and I wanted to ask you, Nico, Will Brody is is now the time to move on Will Brody? I don't think so, and I was going to raise this point um, about Driz as well, O'Driscoll. So they've got West Coast this week, so I don't think there's any harm in holding these boys for another week. Um, speaking of O'Driscoll's job security, Frio's got three COVID outs confirmed um, as well. So um, I think I think he's safe, um, at least for another week. So I don't think you have to do anything with those two guys. I think Brody, yeah, like during the weekend, I was like, oh, it's time to get rid of this guy. But um, he sort of came good in the last quarter there and posted a respectable 75. So um, I think, yeah, another week from those guys, especially um, – oh, sorry, they're playing North this week. So, yeah, playing Just North good. Melbourne – yeah, um, it's a it's Even a more good, yeah, it's a great fixture. <laughs> um, J JHF um, Horn Francis probably time for him uh, maybe to move on. Um, seems to be getting a little bit frustrated giving away free kicks. Yeah, um, it was a very getting, interesting little exchange with Jack Savani. <laughs> was yeah, yeah, good on him for you know sticking up for his club and and everything. But um, <laughs> yeah, I know you don't want to be giving away four free kicks you know, as a rookie. Um, Ward, Josh Ward, hopefully he comes back in and, and makes a little bit of money. I'm kind of inclined to hold him and, and McCartan the same. Dacos, I understand why people are looking at him. Um, you're trying to looking to, um, I guess, maximise your um, your money. So you're looking at guys like O'Driscoll and Dacos and Horn Francis um, so you can get you know some uber premiums in. So quite happy to hold Dacos still um, for another week. There is talk of him having a rest at some point. So if this, if that rest comes this week, maybe that's, you know, time yeah. for you to pull the trigger. Um, I don't know about Rochelle. I'm sort of, it's early in the week. But I'm leaning towards holding just because he hasn't made any money yet and he's capable of, of getting a triple figure score. Yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, selling Dixon, I think instead uh, of him who, 
probably, you know, Oscar Allen's not far away. You know, he was a late in. He's sort of on the cusp of, of the best 22. So probably look at tra- moving him on before I move Rochelle on and just make sure I've got him on the pine. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think it's it's we're reaching that point of the season where we, we saw it last week where the guys that you have on those bench spots can be really, really important as cover, not just as cash cows. So that's where the likes of, I think, Dacos and, and Horn Francis can be really important ahead of the guys like guys like Nathan O'Driscoll and Dixon and um and even Rochelle to an extent that we don't we're not hundred percent sure of their job security. Whereas we know with Dacos and Horn Francis, if they're fit and they're healthy, they're gonna be playing. Um so I think that there is something to that that you might want to hold on to those guys just in case. You know Dacos is good for a seventy, you know Horn Francis is good for a sixty. Um that's better than that's better than having to rely on Rochelle to put up a, a seventy when he, he's he's equally as likely to give a, give you a forty. Um so if I'm reading those correctly out of you boys, the the priorities there are probably the likes of Ward, O'Driscoll, Rochelle, um, in that sort of order, um, in terms of trade outs, Bandit, is that is that fairly accurate? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I'm with Nico. If you've got Dixon, I think you can move him on. Um, his break even, I think he's about in the 40s or 60s or something like that. I think it's it's definitely higher than his average um, at this point in the season. So, um, yeah, I think you can move him on with some um, with some confidence as well. Um, I'm with you on Dacos and Horn Francis. I think those guys. Um, have got to the point now where they won't really drop in value all that much. Like, even if they have a bad game, they're not going to, you know, drop 50k off their off their prices at the moment. Um, and all it's going to take is one big game, and you know, you'll you'll squeeze another 50 or 60k out of them potentially before the before the buys. So, um, yeah, in terms of Dacos, I haven't, I haven't got on Francis anymore. I've, I've traded him out, but um, yeah, as long as Dacos is playing, I'm I'm holding on to him. So, um, I think that's the way that most other people should go as well. Yeah, I agree. And he, I mean, he's averaging eighty three. He's he's in the top sort of forty to fifty defend. He's in the, he's number thirty six in terms of overall defenders. Which as a D seven D eight who comes onto your onto your field when you need him, I think that's that's more than serviceable. Um, the next big topic that I wanted to talk about, lads, was um, I've I've asked you to come with uh, a few. It's getting to that point of the season where we're upgrading. We're needing to sort of make decisions that we'll have players in our teams for the remainder of the year. And I think it's really important that that people rather than just looking at who's the hot player, who's Who's scoring big scores in the last couple of weeks? I think it's it's getting to that point where we need to be we need to be thinking about which players are going to be in the top top six to ten um, averaging in each line at the end of the season. So you're not making not making mistakes that you need to correct further down the line. So I've asked you boys to come today with uh, your top three must haves on each line. Um, so basically, what that means is the three players on each line, excluding the ruck line, we're going to go defence, mid, forward. The three players who you think are, are the guarantees to be in that top six, top seven, top eight range by the end of the year and that you, you kind of have to have. That's why we call them must-haves. So, Nick, I'm going to throw to you first with uh, your defenders. Uh, yep. who, are the th- who are the three defenders that you think are must-haves at this point of the year? Yep, so the three defenders I've got, George Hewitt um, has just proven that he is um, one of the, the upper echelon uh, defenders this season playing purely mid, uh, averaging around 117. I've also got Jaden Short in there proven now to, to be able to score both playing you know full-time mid as well as playing uh, in defense and, and having kickouts and yes he's had one bad score but he looks like he can um, continue putting up monster scores moving forward and Tom Stewart who I'm um, showing on the weekend having 40 disposals at like 90% efficiency that he's just going to continue to mop up uh, in the Geelong defense there and they're looking to use him pretty much you know all the time um, out of defense pretty much like Jake Lloyd was a few years back. Um, so, yeah, they're my three. What about um, 
who Sam Doherty and Nick Vostone are probably the two that I can see that are the two of the top six averaging defenders at the moment that you've missed out there. What what steers you away from those guys? Well, I put Vostone in uh, in the next group actually, so um, a bit of the out of the box sort of um, uh, pick because I just don't know if he can keep it up, but you know, if he can. Um, then great. I think all the Richmond defense seem to be scoring really, really well um, at the moment. So, yeah, look, look, he's um, he's definitely in there. He just hasn't been part of the conversation really ever before. So it's a little bit of unknown uh, with him. Doherty, yes, he's looked great. Maybe, just maybe slightly dropping off a little bit. Um, I don't know what that is. Maybe he's running out of gas a little bit, um, you know, limited preseason, maybe needs a bit of a rest or something. Um, not sure, but yeah, a couple of lower sort of scores from him recently. Um, just has me a little bit wary about him being a definite top six. Bandit, is there anyone out of those three that Nico's said that you have swapped out with someone else? Um, yeah, so I've just brought a couple of different names to the table. Um, Jaden Short was on, on my list. I think he's definitely someone that you need to have if you haven't got him already. Um, at 532k this week, he's still he's still pretty affordable for a guy who's just pumped out of 150. So if you haven't got him in your team, I'd be looking to get him in um, as soon as possible. Um, the other guys I had on my list were, were James Sicily. Um, you know, he's, he's super consistent. He's, he's shown that before prior to, to hurting his knee that he's a very consistent super coach player. And I think he's actually come back from that knee injury, a, a much more mature player now as well, player as well now. So he's not giving away the, the silly free kicks and 50-meter penalties that we might have seen him give away um, in, in previous years when he was still finding his way in that in that Hawthorne team. So He's had one score sub 105 this year, and it was an 84. Everything else has been 105-plus. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's put that that injury concern that we might have had on him in the preseason to, to bed. Um, he should play every game from here on out. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be playing every game for the Hawks. Um, and Scott Pendlebury was the other one that I had. Um, you know, he's a mm. super coach Hall of Famer. And to be honest, having him available as a DPP defender is a is a luxury, to be honest. Um, and it's not something that we've seen from him in the past. So only one score below 98 for the season um, to date. Um, the only thing that I would be a little bit concerned about maybe is he might get a little bit of a rest at some point. Nico, I don't know if, if you had any thoughts on that. But, um, yeah, to my eye, that's the only thing that I think could be could be holding him back. Yeah, he could potentially just have one week um, here or there. Um, yeah, he, he's prone to getting some random injuries as well, like a finger injury or something like that. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, you know, very, very solid pick. Nice. Very good, boys. Um, hard to argue with any of those. I think the only real one that neither of us have mentioned is Jack Sinclair, who's seventh on the total average points. I think we've spoken a little bit about this on previous pods that um, we just don't quite trust that scoring with a few of the Saints midfielders to come back in. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that you guys have left him off, um, but those look very good to me. Uh, Bandit, I'm going to throw straight back to you for your top three midfield must-haves. Yep. So... In the interest of this exercise, I've ignored the guys over 50% ownership. So McRae nice. and Neil, I haven't factored into this because most super coaches will already have those guys. Um, the three that I've penciled in are Clayton Oliver, Callum Mills, and Jack Steele. Um, Oliver and Steele pretty much speak for themselves. A lot of coaches would have started with those guys um, in the preseason. If, if not both, then probably one in the interest of, of squeezing a couple of other players in on, on different lines. But they're just both so consistent. They'll average roughly 120 here on out there. They're really good VC and C options week in, week out. So if you haven't got one or, or both of those guys 
um, by the end of the buy rounds, I'd suggest that you're probably going to be playing catch up on the rest of the competition who will be making the most of some um, some big scores from them. Um, and the other one that I had on the back of a couple of really big weeks is, is Callum Mills. Um, mm. just, just looks like an absolute super coach king in terms of um, in terms of scoring. Just reminds me of Scott Pendlebury from the early 2010s when he was dominating super coach and, and scoring points for fun. So provided he stays fit, um, he should be in a lot of teams come the end of the season. I think he's in 5% of teams at the moment. Wouldn't surprise me if over the next month or so we see that climb up towards, you know, 30 or 40%. Fantastic. I love it. It's really good. As a Mills owner, I'm very happy with that little slot in there. Um, he's looking fantastic. Uh, that's a very good little summary from you, Bandit. I'm happy with that. Nico, what about you? Who are you? Who are your top three? I'll give you a seven uh, rather than three. <laughs> seven? <laughs> How long have we got? Seven? Oh, mate. Look, Neil's going to be there. Took's going to be there. Clay Nolver's going to be there. Cripps is going to be there. Steel Mills are going to be there. McRae is going to be there. So they're going to be in the top 10, those guys. So no issues picking. You know, I think they're all must-haves, to be honest. And I've got um, I've got Petr- uh, Petrapa or Petraka as well. So um, he's, um, no, he's been good lately. First week was a bit ordinary. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's, that's my midfield set um, pretty much. Um, so I think... You know, if we're going to go the more obscure guys, it's probably Cripps, Mills, and um, and Tuka that I'd pick out of the three uh, as must-haves. What about the likes of uh, the, the guys that we haven't mentioned that are currently sort of in that 6 to 10 range? Uh, Travis Boak, uh, I'm, I'm guessing we're not really that keen on him, judging by nah. the role he's played in the last couple of weeks. Yep, correct. Yeah, not for me. Playing too much half-forward. Tom Green, he's sitting at 7th, averaging 120 currently. Um, I just question whether he can sustain it. I think he's had a really he's had some monster scores at the start of the season. So law of averages would suggest that if he's going to average about 110, he's got some some lower scores coming. So yeah, not not sold. He can keep it up. Yeah, I agree. Ben Keys. Don't mind him. Yeah. I just don't think he's got the ceiling of some of the other guys in the top six, like McRae and Steele and Neil. Like I don't I don't see Keys pump, pumping out a 180 on any given day. I think he did that last round last year, though. <laughs> I think he's got it in him. Um, but he yeah. has he has one score below one hundred and no, sorry, he's got one two scores below one hundred and ten for the year, and it's a one hundred six and a one hundred three. It's been remarkably consistent. I mean, I, no, I never never rated him as a player, and I, I think it'll take a lot for me to to change that opinion. He, he burns the ball still, but that's uh, that's some seriously good scoring. Um, I, I think he's he's worth consideration. I wouldn't do it personally, but I like. He's in 5.1% of teams, so he's fairly popular. Rory Laird is at 10th. Nico, mm-hmm. Laird? Yeah. Look, you, you, you're ruining my next segment with, with the out-of-the-box. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I've got him um, uh, as an out-of-the-box selection if you want to go a little bit different. Um, yeah, no issues picking Laird. Um, the only thing is he, you're going to be sacrificing you know, another one of these big dogs, but, I mean, price might come into it and you can only afford Laird. Um, and, you know, you can't afford Mills because he's 700K. So, um, absolutely, yeah. yeah, I think he's a good pick. Fantastic. Well, that'll do us the mids. What about the forwards, Bandit? Who are the three? This is probably the toughest line, I would say, to pick out the the top three. Who are your top three forwards? Yeah, it is a tough line. You're right. Um, so, again, for the sake of the exercise, I've, I've not included Dunkley or Isaac Heaney in the calculations here just because most super coaches, again, will – We'll have those guys. Dunkley's at sixty-one percent ownership, and and Heaney's at forty-six. So um, any super coach worth their salt has probably got both of those 
players now. Um, Not me. <laughs> me neither. You're a, you're a heaney hater, Nico. So I'm not. You are single handedly responsible for turning me off, Heaney, in the preseason. That's fully. Yeah. That's all on you. You might thank me at the end of the year. There's still still a long way to go. I'll, I'll send you a six pack if he ends up more forward, <laughs> Nico. Um, so the top the top three that I had. Um, this guy has just roared into form in the last few weeks, and that's that's Luke Parker. Um, another guy who, you know, having him available as a DPP is is a bit of a luxury. Um, I wouldn't stress if you haven't got him in your team right now. Um, he's in 5% of teams at the moment. Obviously, rose quite a bit in cash um, on the back of the 150 he scored against Brisbane. Still 518K, though, so he's pretty affordable, really. Um, and I, to be honest, I think you'll get him at around that price later on in the season. Um, he's prone to throwing in, you know, a 70 or an 80 and and just stunting that cash growth. That's probably the reason why he hasn't become an uber primo in, in previous seasons. So um, I'm hasn't, missing him. Hasn't been a forward, though, Bandit, in previous seasons. So Yeah, that's true. But I, I just don't think he'll get back up to, you know, the, the 600K mark um, like some of the other top midfielders in, uh, in the game. So I'm pretty happy to miss him for now and hopefully pick him up. Um, at around that price at the buys, hopefully. Um, Tim English is the other one I had on my list. I know he's injured at the moment. Um, there's some knocks on him from a, a role perspective at times, but if he comes back into that Bulldogs team and just picks up the role that he had um, prior to getting injured, um, I think he looks like a, a really solid option, not just as a forward, but also as that ruck cover potentially for later in the season. If we have a another ruck issue, um, he's one that you could potentially swing into your ruck line and, and get some cover there. And then the last one, uh, don't know if I'm taking anyone's uh, anyone's play from the next segment here, but uh, Dylan Moore is the other one that mm. I've uh, penciled in. Um, he's mm. been very, very consistent for, for the Hawks, and he's had a breakout season, to be honest. Um, I don't think anyone, even Hawthorne supporters, would, would turn around and say that they expected him to become the player that he has. But, um, yeah, his consistency this year has been remarkable. He hasn't dropped um, a score below 88 so far this season, and he's posted uh, three tons now, including 147 against Melbourne on the weekend. So, um, at less than one percent ownership, he's a he's a massive pod that you could pick up um, at 495k in the next couple of weeks, and, and really separate yourself from from the rest of the competition. He's coming into my team this week, Bandit. Um, I think it says a lot about where the forwards are at that I think we could have a pretty healthy argument about all three of those uh, those must haves. They're all sort of in that debatable range. Uh, Nico, I'm going to guess you've gone in a, in a slightly different direction. Who are your top three must-haves? No, I've pretty much gone in the same oh. direction. So I've got nice. – I haven't excluded Josh Dunkley if, um, in this. So I've got him um, basically as, as F1. Tim English um, there, I think, you know, when he's back, um, I don't think Steph Martin's going to probably hold his spot. So I think once, you know, once he's fit, he's number one ruck again. Probably will just continue scoring as he has, averaging 120-odd. And I've got Luke Parker um, in there as well. So forward eligible nice. um, and, yeah, can pump out massive scores, um, as we know. And just, yeah, looks like he's in, you know, ripping form at the moment. No Tim Taranto. He's in 21% of teams, um, averaging 98.9. Been pretty consistent. Neither of you have gone with him? No, he's just a little bit flaky for my liking. I yeah, I don't know. He can just go missing and, you know, put out a 50, um, which 
How did he go on the weekend? Did he have a low one on the weekend? I think no, he had 97, 97 on the weekend. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. he might have been the but week he went before. Sixty three the week before that. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, yeah. So, look, he might he'll be thereabouts. You know, just maybe keep an eye on it with um, with Toby back, seeing how it affects his role if he's getting more mid time. Then absolutely. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just wait and see for me with him. Tom Libertore Bandit. Um, don't hate it. But it also comes down to a bit of a question of how many Bulldogs have you got in your team and how many is too many. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got like Dunkley and McRae, like they're two of the most highly owned players in the competition. You've got Tim English, who a lot of people are holding on to or want to trade back into at some point. Um, there's a, a couple of guys in defence, Bailey Dale, Caleb Daniel, these sorts of guys. So Adam Trelaw is another one in the forward line. So how many is too many? I know. I know. There's lots of um, there's lots of appealing options, but um, there's only so many so many points you can share in a game. So, from that point of view, I think his ceiling's probably just a bit limited um, in comparison to some of the other guys we've touched on. Bevo's really throwing him around um, as well um, in the middle there. So, I mean, even seen McRae, you know, spend a bit of time on a wing and, and up forward and really hurting his score. So, yeah, I think I think Liver's just probably spending a little bit too much time forward for my liking. Now, I know I told you to come with two players for this segment, but for time purposes, I'm going to only ask you for one. I want one out-of-the-box player. Um, so we've gone with the three must-haves initially. We're now going to go with just one random player who is in a low percentage of teams that feels like he could be in that top six to eight range by the end of the year. Nico, one for the defensive line. Coming from the mm. Giants. So Very nice. Looks, looks like Whitfield is um, playing a bit more up the ground uh, and even um, half forward flank. So, yeah, it looks like Cumming uh, has taken his role back there and on some kickouts. So I, I quite like him as a, as a smoky. Very, very nice. He's been super consistent. I was looking at his stats the other day. I don't have them handy, but it was, it was, he's been fantastic this year. He's a real player the Giants have found. Uh, Bandit, your defensive uh, out-of-the-box player? Yeah, so the one I has that has really taken my eye, and I must admit I've taken interest in him because I've got him in a draft competition, but Bailey Dale from the Dogs, I think, looks like a really nice point of difference. Currently sitting seventh um, overall for, for total points in the defensive line, so he's definitely in the frame to finish in the top eight defenders, currently in 3.5% of teams. Um, just love the way he goes about it. Kicks absolute rockets off, off halfback for the Bulldogs. And Supercoach really likes those sorts of players who can hit long targets with with kicking. So I think he's got a really conducive game to Supercoach. Um, still pretty affordable at 536k if, if you are looking for a defender. So I definitely don't think he's the worst option. He should be thereabouts coming into the season. Very nice, boys. Uh, Bandit, straight back to you for your your midfield out-of-the-box option. Yeah, I'll, uh, well, I'll let Nico take uh, take lead. He was one of the guys that I was going to talk about, but Nico can, can touch on him. But I've Josh changed Kelly... now that I've only got one pick. So. <laughs> All good. Uh, Josh, Josh Kelly was was the one that um, looked like um, a, a decent option for me. Um, I know he's been a, a popular but also maligned pick in, in years gone by. He can be a frustrating um, player to own with, with injuries that he's had previously, but it looks like he's put those behind him, to be, to be fair. Um, and you can't doubt his, his quality. He's had, a, he's had a pretty good start to the season. Um, and if GWS can get on a bit of a roll, um, then I can guarantee there'll be some big, you know, 140-plus scores um, not far away from from Kelly. Uh, he's in less than 7% of teams at the moment, but he's the 16th-ranked midfielder on total points. So if he can get on a, a hot streak, he's more than capable of breaking into that top 10. Fantastic, Nico. Going with Laird or going elsewhere? 
Now, with one pick, I might as well go a bit rough. Um, Sebastian Ross uh, from the Sainters. So this guy's in 0% of teams, and he's got a three-round average of 115.7. So, look, if he continues on that trend, um, you know, as a roughie, um, someone if you really want to take a punt, um, he looks like, you know, he's a decent shout. Very Mm, nice. That's very rough. Very rough. It's extremely rough. <laughs> I've got Laird that. and Josh Kelly there as well. Lastly, Bandit, forward. Your out-of-the-box forward option. Now, I think, hear me out, boys. This call is going to rival the Mitch McGovern chat from Let's one of the go. preseason pods. Let's go. Rory Lobb. Oh, I've got him. I've got him too, but he's out this week. He's oh. out this week. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 should have consulted on this, Nico. We should have we should have uh, <laughs> should have swapped notes, but um, yeah, he's obviously out this week, which which is not ideal. But um, I, I don't mind him as an option, to be honest. Um, I know Tabner was out on the weekend, so he obviously had to shoulder a bit more of the the forward load. But um, yeah, like there's he's just not putting a foot wrong, and he's sort of a bit like Danaher. I think it was last year who started out really cheap and ended up you know coming in the in the top twelve or, or thereabouts for for total points. He's He's just putting together a really consistent season so far. Um, and if you are looking for a, a point of difference later in the season, worth thinking about because Fremantle's last two games are West Coast in round 22 and then GWS in round 23. So if those teams keep going the way they've been going um, at the start of the season, they, they both could have shut up shop by then and sent some players off to have you know surgeries or, or play some kids or just look at some guys who you know are fighting for, for list spots. So... You know, could kick a couple of bags in, in round 22 and 23 and maybe get you a league win or, or just boost up the overall rankings a bit. Didn't he request a, a transfer or something at the end of last year? Just, I don't know, something seems to have worked for him. It's happened a few <laughs> times, I think, with Lobb. Yeah. yeah um, I'll, I'll go with Toby Green for my uh, for my pick. So Very nice. He's, yeah, he's back. Um, you know, his first game back wasn't, wasn't brilliant, but he was... Really, really good on the weekend, taking pack marks and, and kicking goals and, and looking really good. So, yeah, look, he's a, another smoky if you're, you're looking for a bit of a gamble. I uh, love it, Nico. Um, that's about all we've got time for in the big topic section. Um, boys, if you like a punt, um, we all have a little bit of a dabble every now and then. Check out topsport.com.au, home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. Um, use the code SC Playbook if you're linking up their account, your account, so that they know we sent you. Helps out the podcast immensely. 18 plus only. Gamble responsibly. Now, each week, um, I set you guys a task to find me a market that you like. Um, I think we actually did all right last week, surprisingly. Uh, one of our one of our rare good weeks uh, so far this year. I had GWS to win at two dollars twenty five against the Crows, which uh, looked like absurd odds to me, and ended up being the case. Dylan also had a Richmond Melbourne Carlton multi, which was paying two dollars twenty. That got up. Nico, unfortunately, the Cats at minus 16.5 let you down. Um, where are you going to go this week for your uh, top sport play of the week? Yeah, look, I just want to give myself a, a pat on the back before we um, before we go on. I've got um, pre-season. I don't know if you boys remember, but Lockie Neal oh, uh, oh, spruiked him at 12 bucks for the Brownlow, and uh, he's into $4.80 and looking pretty good. Um, Bandit, that's so- your fault. That's all your fault, Bandit. <laughs> you brought that up. This week... Um, I'm doing this on the fly, so I'm just on the Top Sport website right now. Um, having a very look, easy so to navigate. Very easy is, to navigate Top Sport website. Um, right, so just looking at it, um, I don't mind the pies with the eleven and a half 
line. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. I think the pies are going all right. Richmond had an easy kill on the weekend, um, flying back from, from Perth. I don't know. We'll, we'll take the pies at the line. Um, I like the Swans to cover the line against Gold Coast. That's minus 28 and a half. Yep. And we will throw in uh, Demons to win against the Saints, who, as I predicted last week, might just start dropping off. So uh, $8.57 for that. Um, oh, no, sorry. Three-leg multi, $4.74 for that. $4.74, beautiful. What was that yep. last leg, Nego? Melbourne. You didn't just like Melbourne to win. Yeah, Melbourne, Melbourne beat the Saints. Yep. Melbourne win. Yep, I like it. Uh, Bandit, what have you managed to find for us? Yeah, so Nico and I, by the sound of things, will be going head-to-head. I, I like the Tigers at minus 11.5 against Collingwood. Um, I think they've played themselves back into back into form. Dusty potentially back this week as well. Um, I think they could absolutely do a, do a number on the pies this week um, with no Grundy. So I like the Tigers um, with uh, 11.5 there. Um, the other ones I had were Hawthorne to beat Essendon under the lid at Marvel. Uh, and the other one I liked, um, I think this is a really good play, uh, is Melbourne at the line of 19.5 against St Kilda. I think the Saints um, coming off a pretty heavy and contested game against Port Adelaide in Cairns, um, pretty hot, pretty humid, um, pretty taxing weather to, to play footy in. I think they could feel the effect of that this week and I reckon Melbourne could could do a number on them as well. So uh, that multi should get you about $6.10 on, on top sport at the moment. Beautiful. Um, I love it, Bandit. I uh, I really liked what I saw out of GWS last week, um, and I'm going to go back to the well with them again. Uh, they're paying two bucks against Geelong, two dollars four cents against Geelong at Marnica Oval in Canberra. We know GWS tend to play pretty well at Marnica, uh, so I'm going to go the whole hog. Ten dollars, ten units on the Giants at two dollars four to knock off the Cats. Um, I think the Cats. Uh, they looked pretty slow. Looked a bit out of it last week against Freo. Um, I think the Giants with their quality ball use and uh, yeah, quality midfield can run all over the top of them. Um, we are moving on to our plans for this week, boys. Uh, Nico, what trades, uh, if any, what trades are you doing this week? Yeah, definitely trading. Oh, I don't know who's not trading, to be honest. But, um, yeah, uh, it's, either, it's either two trades or, or use another boost and just try and be um, aggressive. Probably just go the two. Um, looking at somebody like a... A Horn Francis down to Clark and then uh, Dixon up to, uh, say, Parker, I reckon. So looking at um, at those two, I think. Very nice. Bandit, what about you? Yeah, I'll probably be boosting again. I've boosted. I, th- I think this is the third boost in a row that I'll be, uh, that I'll be using. It's addictive. So, yeah, it's very addictive, boys. Yeah. Well, addictive. I mean, they're there, so you may as well, you may as well use them up. Um, so I reckon I'll be going probably Dixon, Rochelle, and O'Driscoll all out this week, uh, moving Dacos to D6, uh, bringing in Curtis for Dixon, Clark for Rochelle, and Took Miller for O'Driscoll. So I uh, had 132K in the bank after the round just gone, um, and then those three trades will leave me with 128K in the bank to play with going forward, which I kind of like having that in reserve just as a bit of flexibility. So they're the trades that I'm leaning towards this week. Very nice. I am similarly uh, hooked on the hard boosts, um, Bandit. I can't get enough of them. Um, I am going – I had 300K in the bank last week after moving Grundy down to Pruce. So I'm going to go Berry up to Tookmiller, Josh Ward um, down to Greg Clark, 
and Josh Shelley up to Dylan Moore. So two upgrades, one downgrade this week. Feels Huge pretty moves. good. That's Huge moves. Handy. Love it. Yeah, feels very nice. Um, that yeah, hopefully I think you're right though, boys. The the general vibe at this point I think is you've got to be aggressive. Um, we've got these trades. We've got a lot of rookies coming through. We've got a lot of guys that need culling. Um, I think you can save your boosts and and hope that there comes a better time to use them. But I, I think this is this is that rainy day that that, that you, you it's worth using them, especially if you're going to go a couple of downgrades or a couple of upgrades. I think it's more than worth it. Um, Captains Bandit, who should we be looking at this week? Um, tricky sort of week. Um, feel like there's a lot of options later on in the round, but I think I'll probably just end up going the tried and true method. Probably McRae into. Into Gorn, I know McRae didn't didn't really go all that well last week, but um, given that the dogs um, have a pretty good record against Port Adelaide, and so does McRae, I'm pretty happy to to have him as the VC again this week. And Gorn's just in you know um, red hot form, so no reason to jump off him as as a C if you've got him. Very yeah, nice. A, ni- a 92 and an 89 from McRae. I, I just yeah, I'm staying away from him um, this week. I don't I'm know if it's go. I don't know if it's a role change or I haven't been watching close enough to be honest, but yeah, I don't know. He's getting bevoed maybe um, at the moment. So I think for me, Tuke Miller, vice-captain uh, against the Swans, who seem to be um, giving up you know decent scores um, to opposition mids. Um, and he's obviously um, back to his best. And then I'll have captain uh, Lockie Neal, um, who's playing West Coast yeah. at home. Very nice, Nico. Um, it seems like we've gone from having sort of those two set-forget guys um, into a variety of options. I think I'm currently looking at uh, a Mills Vice against the Gold Coast into either a Neil captain against West Coast or a Clayton Oliver or Paddy Cripps captain. Uh, the Carlton are playing the Crows. So there's a lot of good options. Uh, a few of the big guys are playing late in the round. So there might be some last-minute captain calls to be made. Um, now, boys, the, uh, the SC Playbook podcast is brought to you every week by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial and car loans. Whether you're a local or living interstate and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the lowest rate for your refinance, give them a call on 9521-1611 today and mention SC Playbook for your free tailored expert advice session. Um, we've only got a couple of listener questions to get through this week, so we'll be quick with them. We've got Corey Blackledge, who wants to know, what do you think of Dylan Moore at a F6? And I think we've answered this pretty comprehensively through the pod, but I think it's fair to put Dylan Moore as almost a bit higher than an F6 at this point. He's looking more like a an F4 or an F5 option. Nico, what do you think about that? Yeah, look, definitely agree with that. He's someone who's um, you know almost just come out of the blue um, and putting up really, really big numbers, um, playing up the ground uh, a little bit and hitting the scoreboard. So as we've mentioned, been really, really consistent, um, very high floor. And as he's shown on the weekend, 140 or 150, he's got a high ceiling as well. So um, pretty well priced too. I think he's a really good buy this week if you can afford it. One thing I saw, I was watching the Sunday footy show on the weekend and they did this great highlight package for Dylan Moore showing his work rate. Um, and basically it was he was involved in this chain of possession down one wing, resulted in a point um, for Melbourne. And then all every other player that was involved in that chain, they showed hands on hips, sort of sucking it in, breathing it out, couldn't move from that side. Meanwhile, Dylan Moore's bolted over the other side of the ground, was then involved in a scoring chain for Hawthorne coming back the other way. Um, mm. he, he's got a massive tank. He's a hard worker. Um, I think players like that tend to score well. They tend to have high floors because they're always working. They're always going to be sort of pushing down into defensive 50 to get to get cheap marks. Um, I think he's a legitimate 
forward F5, F6 option uh, going forward. And I hope he is because I'm planning to bring him in this week. Um, and we've also got for you, Bandit, just a fan wants to know on Twitter, who to trade out, Lockie Whitfield or Jordan Ridley? Yeah, I saw this saw this question today, and geez, it was a it was a tough one. I, I've had to spend a fair question, bit of time. Yeah, I had to spend a fair bit of time thinking about it. I think it it probably depends on your own team structure and your own um, your own funds in the bank, I guess. So the problem with Whitfield is he's pretty much at his basement price now. He's probably not going to get a lot cheaper than what he is right now. Um, so you're not going to get a lot of value out of out of trading him because he is at that rock bottom price. Um, and the problem with Ridley is as well that, you know, he's playing the same role week in, week out, but it's not that super coach, um, that super coach friendly role that he has played in, in years gone by. So look, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, the fact that he's already turned up this year, I'd probably be inclined to go Ridley. Um, I'd be holding Ridley and, and trading Whitfield. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's really just down to personal circumstance. Personally, if you've got Whitfield now, I'd probably just hold him. I think you've got to ride it out, and hopefully, he um, he turns it around. But the fact that he's playing forward um, and that he kicked three goals on the weekend and still didn't manage to turn up, I know Nico's nodding along in agreement. That's mm-hmm. a that's a bit of a worry for for owners. I think it was a step in the right direction. Like ninety five is is very serviceable, but um, yeah, the fact that they've had to throw him forward because he basically can't get a kick is is a bit of a concern. Yeah, I think it's an easy call. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I, know, I know very well your feelings on Whitfield, Nico. Yeah, he's just been a bit of a tease this year. So he's he's started poorly pretty much every game and um, and then had a good quarter, you know, here or there. And on the weekend, as Ben had said, he's kicked three goals and, and you know, still got a 90. Um, so I think, you know, if you have to sell one of those two guys, I think it's an easy choice. Um also looking at um at Ridley on the weekend, I looked at the scores and he was like on one or something halfway through the, the first quarter and then I looked again ten minutes later and he's on like forty odd or something. So his his scoring potential is, is really good and you know, he can score in, in burst, you know, just like Whitfield can, but I think this year, yeah, Whitfield's a little bit on the nose. Yeah, I, I, I think at the end of the day you can at the end of the day, you can probably get away with having Ridley at D6 in, in a finished team. I don't think you can get away with yep. having Whitfield at D6 in a finished team this year. So yep. that's, that's probably what it boils down to. Well summed up, Bandit. That's about all we've got time for today, boys. Thank you very much for your time as always. Really appreciate it. Um, as always, if you've got any feedback or questions or anything, let us know at the SC Playbook handles. Nico, Bandit, thank you very much, boys. See you next Thanks, week. Thanks, guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 